Thank you for joining us this morning, this Easter morning. And thank you, Michael, and all the others that uh, led us in the worship service. I've entitled the message this morning, The Cross and the Resurrection, Part 3. Now, we're going to look back uh, some 2,000 years ago at that very first Easter morning. And that's a key morning in world history, and oftentimes uh, it's overlooked, but it is a key morning in our faith as Christians, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, during the last two Sunday mornings, we examined some Bible verses leading up to the cross. In John 14:1, Jesus told his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then in John 14, 27, Jesus told them, let not your heart be troubled. He told them that again. He said, neither let it be afraid. And then in John 16, 33, Jesus said unto them, we looked at these verses last week, Jesus said unto them in John 16, 33, in the world... You shall have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. You're going to struggle. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh, I'm so thankful that he gave us those verses, those promises. As you and I face difficulties, as we face challenging trials, those same directions apply to us as well. Uh, how are you doing at following those directions? I had to ask myself that as I was preparing for this, this message. He is telling those men, those people at that time, look, don't worry about anything. You're going to face difficulty. You're going you're to go through challenging times, challenging struggles and situations. And those situations may not look good. They may not work out quite like you had in mind. There are going to be times that look bad, but I have overcome the world. Trust me. So last week we also looked at the last thing that Jesus said while he was on the cross. And in John 19.30, he said these words, It is finished. Now those aren't the words of defeat. Those are the words of victory and triumph. But what was finished? What was it? You see, at some point before Jesus died, while he was on the cross, but before he died, God the Son, that's Jesus, took all the guilt and all the punishment, all the wrath from God the Father for all the sins of the world. Jesus took it Perfectly. He took it fully. He took it completely. He took the entire hit for you and I. He didn't quit. He took the wrath completely. The debt because of sin, that's uh, your debt, my debt, it was paid in full. That's why he could say, it is finished. Now this morning, we're going to look at John chapter 20. Now, I hope this afternoon that you will have some you'll have a chance to go back through John chapter 20. It is one of my most favorite chapters 
in the Bible. John chapter 20. And so we're going to look this morning at John's response. The, uh, the person, the individual that God used to write this gospel that we're reading this morning. Uh, we're going to look at John's response. And then we're going to look at Mary, and that would be Mary Magdalene. We're going to look at her commission. Now, let's read together uh, the first eight verses of chapter 20. Look what it says. Chapter 20, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, and she came early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher. Now, that's the, that's the tomb. And seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, we learned last week, that is John. You can see the humility of John there. And she saith unto them, They have taken away the, the Lord. They've taken the body of, of Jesus. They've taken it out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. And look at Peter. It says, Peter, therefore, went forth, and that other disciple, and they came to the sepulcher. So they both ran. They ran together. And the other disciple, that would be John, he did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down, that's John, stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen cloths lying, yet went he not in. He didn't go in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen cloths, or the linen clothing, what they used to wrap Jesus in, he saw it lying there. Look at verse 7, and the napkin that was about his head, that was about Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Now look at verse 8, then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and he believed. Now let's let's pray together before we go any further. Thank you, Lord, that you live today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for us. And you were raised from the dead. And you offer salvation to us this morning. Thank you for the words that are spoken here, that you have given to John to eventually give to us. Lord, I pray that this morning that your perfect will, once again, you teach us to pray that your, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we know your perfect will is done in heaven. So we pray, Lord, that this morning your perfect will would be done in each person's life that's listening. God, we pray that you would have your way. In the sweet name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, I want to summarize for you verses 38 through 42 in the previous chapter. They took Jesus down off the cross, and the Sabbath day was close at hand. And so this was in the evening, so they had to be, they had to be in a hurry. They took Jesus down, they wrapped him in uh, what the other Gospels call fine linen. They wrapped him in a fine linen cloth and uh, took him to the tomb. It, this tomb had never been used before. Now, I've been to Jerusalem, and I have peered in a tomb that they think may be the tomb of Jesus. And as a matter of fact, you can go in this tomb, 
And you could walk around. You may have to stoop over just a little bit, but you could walk around in there. And so uh, they took him in a hurry, and so they laid him in that tomb. They wrapped him. And so now the next, uh, or when uh, the Easter morning occurred, Sunday morning, these women that went to the tomb were going there to finish what had already been started. They were going to finish uh, uh, putting the ointment and the uh, spices on the cloths as a, uh, to preserve the body of Jesus. And so uh, we see that happening, and we jump into chapter 20. And so the other Gospels, we see here that Mary Magdalene comes. So the other Gospels make it clear that there were more women there with Mary Magdalene than just her by herself. And so she was not the only woman there. But John mentions her more than likely because she's the one that ran to tell the other disciples that they have taken Jesus. They saw the stone rolled away. They, they saw the body of Jesus was not there. And she ran and told them they've taken Jesus and we don't know where they have laid him. And so look at verse 3 again. It says, Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple and they came together to the sepulcher. Now, you can see John's humility once again here. We've talked about that before in John, but he was a humble man. Jesus spoke to him from the cross. He went all the way to the cross with Jesus. But you can see that it says here in verse 4, so they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter. So even though he was uh, humble, he did disclose that he outran Peter, probably several years younger than Peter, and uh, but he came first to the sepulcher. Now notice in verse 5, it says, and he stooping down. Now that's talking about John. John is stooping down. Now, that means that he is likely bent over. Now, I don't know that he went to his knees, but it means that his body is bent over, and the, the phrase stooping down has this in mind. It means to look carefully into, to inspect curiously. And so now he, he's looking in there, and he's seeing what's going on. He sees the tomb is uh, empty. More than likely, he could tell that tomb was in the, that the body was not there. More than likely. Now look what it says also. It says in verse 5, and looking in, saw. In looking, looking in, he saw. Now that phrase right there is very interesting. It means to discern mentally. It means to observe. It means to perceive. And it even has the idea to understand. He had an understanding when he looked in there and he saw those grave clothes. He saw the tomb was empty. He had an understanding. What had his attention? The linen clothes. The linen clothes we see had his attention. It says the linen clothes lying. And you can see that in, uh, in verse 5, and he stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen clothes lying. 
yet went he not in. So he saw these linen clothes, those linen clothes, those linen cloths. That's what, he, that's what Jesus was wrapped in. It has the idea that when he saw them lying, it has the idea of an orderly arrangement. There was order involved. Now, when they took Jesus down off the cross, once again, as I said earlier, things were done in a hurry because the Sabbath was at hand. The burial cloths were likely smeared with ointment and spices. You could see that up in uh, uh, verse 39 of chapter 19. They had uh, spices, ointment, aloes, myrrh. So those cloths were likely smeared with ointment and spices, and there likely would have been layers. More than likely, there would have been some layers involved. There would possibly be some drying, maybe even some hardening involved in those linen cloths. Maybe. So that Easter morning, those women were intending to finish the process. So the whole idea of the description in context here, the whole idea of the description of the fine, what the other, uh, some of the other Gospels call fine linen cloths, the grave wrappings, if you would. The whole idea of that description is that the wrappings had the appearance that they had not been peeled off. They had not been taken off. They were lying there. It's as if the body of Jesus had just come right out of them. That's the idea. It's an idea of orderliness. Now, let's read on down. Let's read verse 6. It says, Then cometh Simon Peter, following him. He's following John. And John is stooping at the door of the tomb. But it says in verse 6 that he went into the sepulcher. That's Peter. Peter went on in and seeth the linen cloths lie. Once again, it's the, the idea, the phraseology there is an idea of orderliness. They're laying in order. They're, they're not just taken off and strewn. It's the idea that the body had just come right out. And perhaps there's some drying. Perhaps they're, they're not just flat. And so it says in verse 6 that Peter went on in and seeth, those clothes. Now look at verse 7, and he saw the napkin that was about the head, the head of Jesus, not lying with the linen cloths, but wrapped together in a place by itself. And verse 8 is crucial. It says, then went in also the other disciples. So John goes on in, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and he believed. So Look at the context now. We're talking about an empty tomb and the grave cloths, the grave wrappings, the, the body wrappings of Jesus. John saw the linen cloths and the napkin that was about Jesus' head, and the Bible says he believed. Now the word believed in verse 8 means this. It means to be persuaded. It means to place 
confidence in. And it has the idea of a saving faith. I think that's interesting. In other words, it's the idea that Jesus died on the cross and then was raised from the dead. It's that belief. I be John, it says, believed. So Jesus died on the cross. John saw him die on the cross. And he was raised from the dead. The Bible says he believed. And it has the idea that John is, is saved. It's that saving faith that I believe and I'm calling on Jesus to be my Savior. See, the resurrection is key. Now, what does the resurrection teach us? This is interesting, and you sure want to write this verse down. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, listen closely. I'll read it to you, but be sure and write this verse down. It says that Jesus was, and this is Romans 1 verse 4, that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Let me read that again. It says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Now Hebrews, as a matter of fact, it's in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. It tells about Jesus being an intercessor of ours. And he is able to save to the uttermost. He can save whosoever calls on him. He can save to the uttermost because he lives. He lives forever. He's alive today. And he can save you. And he will save you if you call on him if you believe. If you believe. Now listen close. I want to show you something. Most generally, the very first Christians believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not because of an empty tomb. And not because of orderly grave clothes. Or grave cloths. But they believed in the resurrection of Jesus, most generally, they believed in the resurrection of Jesus once they saw him. Once they laid eyes on Jesus. As a matter of fact, that same Easter evening, the Bible says, as a matter of fact, you can read this over in uh, verse 19. The same evening, the disciples were gathered together, and they had the door locked. Uh, they had it shut, and more than likely it was locked because they, the Bible says they feared the Jews. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to them. Now, there was one disciple that was not there, and his name was Thomas. And so these other disciples later on went to Thomas, and they said, Jesus appeared to us. We saw him. See, they believed. They saw him and believed. Now Thomas said something very interesting. Thomas says, unless I see the nail print, unless I lay my finger in the nail print, unless I thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. See, I have to see him first. 
That's what Thomas said. See, most early Christians, as a general uh, general rule, most early Christians, they once they saw him, they believed. They had to see him first. But John is uh, quite the exception. He saw the empty tomb. He saw the grave clothes. And he believed. That's what the Bible says. He believed. See, he hadn't seen Jesus yet. But he believed. Now listen close. Storms of trials and possibly even unexpected storms, situations. They may be happening in your life right now. Maybe that's what's going on in your life. God Almighty, who raised Jesus from the dead, knows exactly what's going on. And He is doing a work in you and around you and what he wants is for you to just trust him. He wants me to just trust him. Now listen, he told these people, he told them, before the cross or the resurrection had ever happened, he said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, don't be afraid. He said, I have overcome the world. See, he told them that before the cross or the resurrection had ever happened. Those same directions apply to whatever you're facing right now. Just be still, trust Him, and know that He is God. You see, in a storm, in a trial, in a situation that is of high magnitude difficulty, you may not have much control at all. There may not be a whole lot that you can do, that you can have control over. But this is crucial now. Listen. When we're in those situations, we do have control over one thing, and that is how we're going to respond. You see, you have control over how you're going to respond to that trial that you're facing right now. And on that day in the tomb, I just wonder if as John was peering in, if he was peeking into that tomb and he saw those grave clothes, if he started thinking back to what Jesus has said, that let not your heart be troubled. John, don't let your heart be troubled. Craig, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Fear not. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have... He told him that. But he said, I have overcome the world. See, that response needs to be our response no matter what we're facing. I pray that this morning, that's how you would respond to whatever you're facing. Whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty is happening right now. John saw and he believed. He just believed. Oh, I thank God for that example. I think he probably...
thought about those things because, you see, John from chapter 14 through chapter 16, he mentions those things over and over again. Don't fear, let not your heart be troubled, all those things. Now let's look at Mary, Mary Magdalene. Let's look at her commission. And I'll say this, it is notable that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene first. See, Luke chapter 8 and verse 2 and Mark chapter 16 and verse 9 tell us that he had already cast seven demons out of this woman. She was a devoted follower of his. But she had a troubled past with a lot of scars. But he appeared to her first. Now, if you're listening this morning, and you've began to believe the lies of Satan. Now, that word Satan, once again, it means enemy. If you've begun to believe the lies of Satan, if he has convinced you that you're trapped, in your past, right now, would you call on Jesus to set you free? He wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you. Would you call on Him to save you? He's waiting. Now, here's what happened. Mary peered in after Peter and John had left. She peered in and she saw two angels sitting on the uh, one at the, the, the head of the where he had been laying and one at the, at the foot, at the feet. And then all of a sudden, she even spoke to those angels. And I don't know that she knew they were angels. The Bible says that, uh, that all of a sudden behind her was Jesus. And she turned around, and she didn't even know that was Jesus. Maybe he looked a little different. And she wasn't expecting him. And then he says something to her in verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And she turned herself, and she saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say master, which is to say teacher. See, he called her by name in verse 16. Now, remember when Pastor Wayne Johnson was here? Pastor Wayne and Lori? And by the end of the day, I think he knew everyone's name. Everybody that was here, I think he knew the name. And wherever you are this morning, whatever is going on, wherever you are, Jesus knows you, and he knows your name. He loves you with a powerful love, and He wants to set you free from your past. Now look at verse 17. Verse 17, it says, Jesus saith unto her, unto, her, unto Mary, this woman out of whom He had cast seven demons, He said, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. Now there's some misunderstanding on that, that particular scripture. It doesn't teach that he was concerned that she was going to defile him in some way. But apparently, she was holding on to him. She didn't want to let go once she realized it was him. And the phrase, touch me not, 
It means to adhere to. It means to cling to. She was holding on to him. And he had a job for her to do. So he wasn't concerned that she was going to defile him. That's not the teaching there. The idea here is that he had a job for her, and that was to go tell the disciples, to go tell them about him, and that he was going to ascend to the Father. It says, Say unto them, I ascended to my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God. And she was the first witness of Jesus after his resurrection. He sent her to tell others about him. And as Christians, and Michael said it so good this morning as we were praying together before the service, as we were all praying together, that we've been redeemed. As Christians, we've been redeemed. And your life and my life as a Christian has meaning. We have a purpose, and that is to tell others about him. Christian, that's what he's called you to do. That's what he's called me to do, to be the witness that he wants us to be for him. Grandma, grandpa, mom and dad, young person, all to be the testimony and the witness. He's called us to do that. Now, listen what happened. About eight days later, as a matter of fact, it was eight days later, the disciples were together, and Thomas was there. Remember, Thomas had said, unless I see the, the nail prints, unless I touch them, unless I put my finger in them, unless I thrust my hand in his side, I won't believe. Well, Thomas was there eight days later when they were all together. And Jesus showed up. And if you were to look down in verse uh, 27, it says, Then he said to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. Now look at the next verse. Jesus said to him, He said, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, you believe. Blessed are they that have not seen me. Now that's us. I haven't seen Jesus, but I believe. Jesus says, Blessed are they that have not seen yet have believed. Do you believe? Do you believe with a saving faith that Jesus took your place on the cross, that He gave His life on Calvary, and then He was raised again. He has defeated death. He has overcome the world. Do you believe? Now the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is anything that goes against the character of God. It might be pride. It might be a lie. An evil thought. There's all kinds of sins. Sins of all different kinds. And the Bible says that all have sinned. But it says the wages of sin is death. That means not just physical death, 
but spiritual death. That's what we deserve, and that's to spend an eternity away from God in a place called the lake of fire. But it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, the one that has been raised from the dead. The, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. We have to repent of that sin. That means to turn from it. That's, what, that's what's required to receive Jesus as your Savior, to spend an eternity with Him, to repent of the sin in your life, to turn from it, and to turn to the cross of Christ, to turn to Jesus Christ. He paid the price for you. The Bible says, Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you're lost this morning, I want to help you. I want to lead you in a prayer. You can pray a prayer like this, or you can even say the words that I'm going to say and believe in your heart. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you're lost, would you, would you say this prayer? You can, I, I'm going to say it slowly. Pray with me. Lord God, I know and I understand that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for the sin in my life. Lord, please forgive me. I repent. I turn from that sin. Lord Jesus, thank you for taking my punishment on the cross. Thank you for giving your life for me. I believe that you defeated death and that you were resurrected from the dead. Lord Jesus, would you be my Savior? I'm trusting you with my life. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed the prayer of salvation, if you ask Jesus into your heart, please let us know. We want to pray with you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you're going through a struggling time right now, a trial right now, and you need someone to talk to, we want to help you. And Brother Johnny Tonica is going to come up here in just a moment and tell you how you can contact us. You can contact the church or, or one of us. We look forward to you. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. God bless you this Easter day. Hi, uh, Craig is absolutely right. If you've made a decision today or this week to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to know that. We want to be able to connect with you this week. Also, some of you who are really struggling and just need some prayer and just someone to talk to, um, we want you to be able to do that also. And I'm going to give you a number, and it's going to be my number directly where you can get hold of me. And from there, if you want to talk to any of our other ministers, uh, we can direct you to them. And also, if you just want to put in a prayer request, and you can just say, hey, this is... This is John, um, and this is my uh, specific request. Or you can just say, hey, this is John, and I have some unspoken requests. Feel free to text that to me also, or to call me, and you can know with confidence that we, as God's people here at First Baptist Church, will be praying for you. So if you've made a decision 
Let us know so we can walk with you through this, so we can connect with you. I've said this many times in a lifetime full of decisions. The decision of of answering the question of eternity is the greatest decision that you're ever going to make. So that cell phone number uh, directly to me is this, 580-230-1443. Text me, call me, and we'll get you connected. This morning I got a chance to see friends from all over the state, Melvin and Red Oak, uh, Pete and Broken Bow, Bobby and Sulphur, my friend Worm in Oklahoma City, and James at El Reno First this morning. And what I got to see was the gospel being proclaimed um, all over, um, being broadcast to the world. And so lastly, we want to leave you with this, believer, that the gospel is being preached, lives are being changed, and everything is going as planned. Our king has risen, and that changes everything. We'll see you guys next week. We love you guys.